Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your presence here this morning. Father, we thank you for your love that is everlasting. We thank you that we are loved this morning with a perfect love. We thank you, Lord, that the cross is a constant reminder of your love for us. Lord, we thank you that you said it is finished. We have the confidence this morning that it is. We thank you for the privilege that it is, Lord, to abide in that finished work, to have fellowship with you, to be filled with your spirit, to be called by your name, to be your children. Father, to have your word and to see you work within our hearts, within our lives. We thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for your people this morning. I pray, Father, that you would encourage them today. I pray, Father, that you would remind them that you shall supply all their needs according to your riches and glory. Remind them, Lord, that by your stripes we are healed. Remind them it's by grace we are saved through faith, not of works. It is your gift. Lord, I pray that your word would go forth in power today. That you would transform our hearts and our lives. That you would build us up in a most holy faith. Lord, that you would speak to us collectively and individually. Father, it's why we're here. As we sit in your presence, because you inhabit the praises of your people. Lord, as we now push up to your table to feast upon your word, Lord, to live on your every word, I pray, Father, that your word, as you promised, would not return void this day, but that it would accomplish in each one of us what you desire. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us. Teach us your word. Father, we ask for your anointing. We ask that Jesus would be exalted, that the gospel would be proclaimed, that every heart and every life would be changed today. We thank you for the privilege that it is to gather together in your name, knowing that you are right here, right now, in our midst. And we are grateful, and we praise you. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John's Gospel. Chapter 14. It was tempting to try to cover this whole chapter today. Try. (laughs) But I won't do that. We'll, Lord willing, make it to about verse 15. Because I want to take some time next week as Jesus introduces to us the Comforter. And so I want to be able to spend ample time on that subject. If you'll remember in our study, we left the disciples in, well, they were in trouble. Their hearts were very troubled. They had gathered with Jesus there for the Last Supper in the upper room. They were bickering and arguing over who was the greatest. Jesus stood up from the table and he took off his outer garment and he girded himself with a towel and he filled a basin with water and he knelt down and began to wash each one of the disciples' feet. When he was done with that, he told the disciples that you should do this to one another. And then he shares with them Two, well, actually three bombshells. The first one was, one of you will betray me. One of you at this table has lifted up his heel against me. 
And every one of them, we're told in Matthew's gospel, chapter 26, begin to ask, is it me, Lord, is it me? Is it looking around and wondering and questioning who it is? And Jesus says, he that I give this up, and he took a piece of bread and he dipped it and he handed it to Judas. And he said, that that you do, go and do quickly. Satan entered into Judas and he left into the night, into the darkness. And then Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, truly, truly, I say unto you, a new commandment I give unto you, that you should love one another as I have loved you. That went right over Peter's head because Peter was just awestruck that Jesus was going to leave them. He had told them, I'm going to go away. As I told the Jews, I'm going away and you can't come where I'm going. Not right now. Peter and James and John and Andrew, these guys, Matthew, they had left everything to follow Christ. They didn't just come down front and pray a prayer. These men left everything. Everything they had ever known, family, business, lifestyle, everything, to be a disciple of Christ, to follow him. And now he's saying, I'm about to check out, guys, and I'm going to leave you. Peter says, Lord, what, what, do you, <laughs> what do you mean? I'm ready to die with you. you can't. He says, really, Peter, you're going to deny me. You'll deny me that you ever knew me. I'll die with you. We're told in the other Gospels that the other guys joined in with him. Yes, us too. And so they're sitting there and they're, they're troubled in their heart. One was a defector. One was going to deny and Jesus was going to depart. This is not ending up the way that we thought that it was going to end up. Have you ever been there? Have you ever thought, wait a minute, this is not the way I've planned it. This is not the way I envisioned it. And their hearts are grieved. Their hearts are broken. He's going to leave. He's going away. It doesn't make sense. And it's, it's that environment that Jesus shares this chapter. And Jesus gives them a command right here at this point in verse 1. And he says this, let not your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled. That's not a a, a request. That is a command. Let not your heart be troubled. They had every right to be troubled. Or did they? Jesus is leaving. Judas is betraying. Peter's going to deny. I mean, don't let your heart be troubled. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. Every time I think I'm going to make ends meet, somebody moves the other end. <laughs> Let not your heart be troubled. Lord, I feel like I've done everything I could for this marriage. Let not your heart be troubled. I've been to the doctor. I'm taking the medicine. I'm doing what they told me. Let not your heart be troubled. Lord, this great country that I love is not that great country that I fell in love with. Let not your heart be troubled. This is a command. Jesus is telling you and me as disciples, we don't have to let our heart be troubled, which tells me if my heart is troubled this morning, I let it be troubled. Wait a minute, Gordon. Come on now. Things happen. Bad things happen. Yeah. Bad things were happening to these guys. Three years of their life. They feel at this moment, was was it a waste? I had poured my life into this and now he's just going to check out? Judas thought he was going to be some great executive in this kingdom. And Jesus starts talking about dying and he starts acting like a servant. I'm out of here. I'm going to get what I can while I'm at it. Let not your heart be troubled. 
Well, Jesus, that is easier said than done. Sounds good when you say it, but how am I practically to do that? What is the key to a troubled heart? What's the answer? What do I do? If my heart is troubled and you're telling me, don't let it be troubled, what's the answer? I love the Lord. I love how simple He makes everything. Because I'm not a very smart man. Um, I'm like a couple notches under Forrest Gump. You know? it's, it's, and he, he makes it very, very simple. And here's what he says. Ye believe in God. Every one of them would say, absolutely, yes we do. We're all good Jewish boys. Believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Notice he doesn't say, I want you to believe this formula. Believe this, 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 and this. Tie it with this and this chapter in the Old Testament, which links to the Psalms, back to Galatians, back to Corinthians. Believe this. Know this road. Know this formula. If you'll memorize this, this, and this, and this, if you'll go here, if you'll dip in this pool, if you'll be a member of this church, if you'll be baptized in this tank, if you read this translation... If you'll stop doing this and stop doing that, don't cuss and chew and go with girls that do. (laughs) Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me, he says. Now for the sake of this simplicity that God gives us in the gospel, let us be careful that we don't miss the profoundness of this truth. Believe in me, he says. This morning, if your faith does not rest in Christ, you will have a troubled heart. It's inevitable. We live in a troubled world because of sin, because of death, because of the prince of the power of the air. Jesus says, you believe in God. Listen, God, he's talking to the disciples. He's not just talking on uh, the road to Jericho. Hey, everybody. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to 11 men who had left everything to follow him. These are dedicated men. I mean, they came to every service. I mean, they were to every prayer meeting. I mean, they were wherever he was. They were. These aren't kind of come and go, got my ticket punched, I'm going to heaven one day, I was baptized when I was seven. That's not what these guys were. And he says, ye believe in God, and you should, believe also in me. In me. Now, Jesus is putting himself equal with God the Father. He's saying, as you believe in God the Father, believe in me. Now, there's a lot of people in this world that will talk to you about God all day long. But when you say Jesus, they start backing up. All through the Old Testament, God said, thou shalt have no graven image. You shouldn't use my name in vain. There is nothing in heaven, nothing in earth that you can use to depict me. For no man has seen God at any time. Have no other gods before me. I don't want you to imagine or think anything in heaven or in earth to try to get a picture of who I am and what I look like. But he's given that image. He's given that picture. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. If I believe he is who he says he is, there is absolutely no reason for me to be troubled in my heart. That's what he's saying. If you have me, you don't have no troubles. You don't have no troubles. You believe in God, believe also in me. So the the key to not having a troubled heart this morning, if your heart is troubled, is faith. It's faith. 
It is the central theme of the believer. Faith. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He goes on to say, without faith, it's impossible to please him. One of my favorite minor prophets, Habakkuk, was seeking the Lord, and the Lord told him that he was going to raise up the, the Chaldeans to punish Israel. And he said, no way, this can't, how in the world could you take these people and do such a thing to your people? And he says to him, Habakkuk, the just shall live by faith. Well, that's the first cure. That's the key. That is, that is the main thing. Gordon, if you are troubled, you're not looking in the right direction. You're not trusting like you should. Because if you believed me and knew that I was God, you know you have no troubles. Hmm. He says, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith. A childlike, simple faith, when I simply look to the Lord Jesus and say, you are, and that's enough for me. I believe in you. I don't believe about you, Lord. There's a difference. I don't believe about you. I believe in you. I believe in you. I am in you. I am in God. I am in you. Remember what Jesus says? Jesus says, you're in my hands and no man can pluck you out. And my Father is greater than I and you're in His hands. I'm in you. I believe in you. So the key to a troubled heart, if you're troubled this morning for any reason, is faith. And the flesh says, oh, that's too easy. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians and he says this, I fear, I fear. He says, I fear lest somehow Satan would beguile you as he did Eve and lead you away from the simplicity that is, here's that word again, in Christ. You believe in God, believe also in me. Believe in me, Gordon. Believe in me, church, he says. Not about me. In me. Then he goes on. He's, it gets better. He says, listen, guys. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. In my Father's house are many mansions. That word mansions there in the Greek is M-E-N-O. It means to abide, an abiding place. Jesus is going to use that same word again in verse 23. It simply means to abide. There is an abiding place. He says, in my Father's house, there is a place for you. Okay, so my heart's troubled this morning. What's the answer? Believe in Christ. No need to be troubled anymore because of Him. I believe in Him. He is sufficient. He is enough. And if that wasn't enough, I've got a home. I've got a home. In the Bible, we are told there are three heavens. The first heaven is where the birds live and the clouds are. That's the first heaven. The second heaven is where the sun, the moon, the stars, and the planets exist. And there's a third heaven. That's God's house. That's where He lives. Paul says in Corinthians, I know a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I'm not really sure. But he went to the third heaven and he saw things that were not lawful for a man to speak of. Jesus says, in my Father's house... See, we call it heaven. Jesus calls it home. And as children of God, we should too. 
oh, we can call it heaven as we talk to those in the world. But as we commune with one another, wouldn't it be more appropriate to say, when I get home, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I would have told you. How can I have a troubled heart when I'm on my way home? I've had a troubled heart on vacation before. I've gotten sick on vacation before. I remember one time I went to Tennessee and got deathly sick. Ugh, makes me sick just thinking about it. And had to drive all the way from Tennessee back here. But I was going home. Oh, it was bad. It was rough. It was terrible. But I was on my way home. And every mile marker that I passed, I was a mile closer home. I'm going home. And there's no place like home. <laughs> Jesus says, Don't let your heart be troubled. Your nation, your country, your party, your community, your neighborhood, your family, your friends, your finances. Don't let that stuff trouble you. Believe in me. And remember, remember my father's house. In Matthew chapter 6, we covered it. The Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, here's how you guys ought to pray. You ought to pray this way. Our Father, which art in heaven. He said you should pray this way. Why would he say that? He doesn't want me to ever forget. We have a tendency to think that all this down here is going to last forever. It's not. Praise God. I watched the final vote in Congress last night. And I put on my Facebook afterwards. This country was established by a people leaving a monarchy. And as I watch it decline, my heart longs for a monarchy. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Even so, come Lord Jesus. I have a home. We're going somewhere, guys. We're not just saved and left here floating in a deep blue sea. Let not your heart be troubled. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe me. Believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I remember, I can't remember the exact figures, but I think there's like 120 million square uh, miles of, of water on the face of this planet. And there's like 60 million square miles of earth. There's a new Jerusalem, 1400 by 1400 by 1400. It's something like 20,700,000,000 square miles in my father's house. (laughs) Many mansions. Many mansions. How big is that house? I believe, personally. It's big enough for every man, woman, boy, and girl who was ever born from the time of Adam to the last one born on this planet. There's room for everyone. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. Listen to this. I go. Here's why I'm going, Peter. You don't have to be upset, buddy. I go to prepare a place for you. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Now, why would the Lord Jesus prepare a place for me if the day wasn't coming when I would be in that place. My God doesn't waste anything, especially time. And He would not be there in heaven preparing a place for me. I believe it's prepared. But He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And then He says, if I go, I'm going to come again. And I'm going to receive you unto Myself that where I am, there you may be also. The early believers never forgot heaven. 
our great, 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 great grandfathers and grandmothers who are in the faith, these men and women always talked about heaven. They, they would sing hymns about heaven. They would testify, I'm closer to heaven, y'all pray for me, that I'll stay close to the Lord and wear this, this world like a loose garment. You know, I mean, they, they looked forward to. As a matter of fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul says that, I don't want you to be ignorant about those who sleep. And he talks about Jesus' return, and then he says, I want you guys to comfort one another with these words. He says, I'm going to go to prepare a place for you. In Revelation 22, three different times, Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. I come quickly. I come quickly. May we not be lulled into this sleep. That's just, oh. Let not your heart be troubled, he says. Just as soon as the disciples begin to, oh, oh. Now what? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Behold, hey guys, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That, where I am, ye may be also. In Acts chapter 1, we're getting close. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus is there on the mount. And the scripture says he was received up into the clouds before their sight. And behold, two men in white apparel said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing up into heaven? For this same Jesus, which you see taken up before you, will come again in like manner. See, I think sometimes my heart gets troubled because my faith wanes. My heart gets troubled because I forget eternity. Oh, yeah, there's a mess down here. And sometimes I find myself right in the middle of it. But Paul says, I'm convinced that the suffering of this present world cannot be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in that day. He says, it can't even be... It's, James says, life is like a vapor. It's like a puff of smoke. It's here and it's gone. James says it's like looking up in the sky and go, oh, look, there's Mickey Mouse. Hey, honey, honey, look, Mickey Mouse. Uh, well, it, it looked like it. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're like Mickey Mouse. It's a puff of smoke. It's there and it's gone. This life, what we have to go through, what we must suffer, oh, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me. Trust in me. There's a home in heaven. Almost everything that you really like, all of the creature comforts of this physical life is found at home. Think about how God chose to describe where He abides and where we're going to abide with Him as home in my Father's house. Do I fear death? No. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Heaven is is home because Christ is there. And He's coming back for me. He's coming back for you. He says, let not your heart be troubled. If I go to prepare a place for you, verse 3, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Revelation chapter 22, John runs out of adjectives to use to describe this heaven. He says, in this place, there's no tears, for God's going to wipe them all away. He said, in this place, there's no pain, there's no sorrow. Be no dying. He says, when you get to this place, there's gates. And they're made of pearl. Not a bunch of pearls. One solid pearl. He said, the foundations of this city. There's, there's 12 foundations made of all types of precious gems and stones. 
The walls in this place, he says, are like jasper. He said, the streets are gold. And that's just a little stuff. He said, there's a throne in this place. There's a river of life and a tree of life. Oh, there's no need for a sun, John says, or a moon or stars. Lesser light, greater light? No, we have the light. For Christ himself will be the light. In my father's house, he says, how, he, says, he says, guys, how can you be troubled? How can a heart be troubled when it knows it's going home? Now, you might be troubled when you're leaving home, but you can't be troubled when you're going home. And I'm going home. And you're going home. Thomas, we're going we're to run into three of these disciples as they try to get into this conversation. Thomas is the first one. Philip's the next one. And Judas will be most likely next week. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? I, we, we don't even know where you're going. How in the world are we going to know the way? Where is heaven? Besides that, how do we even get there? We don't even know where it's at. Where's this father's house? Where's the map? Can we map quest it? Can we call AAA and get, you know, quick trip? And how, how do we get there? It's interesting as we study through the book of Acts, this faith that we have at one time was called the way. It was called the way. Jesus says this, I am. Which is the sixth I am in John's gospel. I am the way. I am the way, Thomas. How do I get to heaven? Well, you got to be a good person you got to want to go. There's several things you got to believe, and you got to go to church. And, and some will tell you there's a whole bunch of roads there. A whole bunch of what you just, if you just want to be there, you'll end up there. Thomas was honest. And if every man, woman, and boy, and girl would be honest like Thomas, they would say the same thing We don't know the way. I don't know how to get there. In and of myself, how do I get there? Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus doesn't say, listen guys, I'm going to show you the way. Get your pen and paper out, I'm going to tell you the way. He said, I am the way. And that's why I said, if you believe in God, believe also in me. If you believe in me, You're on the way. You're on the way. If you look into me, the author and finisher of your faith, you're going to get there. We've come a long way in this Christianity. We've made it all kinds of things. We bicker and fight and argue and write volume after volume after volume of books. And Jesus is saying, Thomas, I'm the way. I'm the way to heaven. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. How do I get to heaven? Jesus. How can I be sure? Jesus. And how do I live from here to there? Jesus. He says, I'm the way, I am reconciliation. I'm the one that gets you from where you are to where you can't go. He said, I'm the truth. I'm the illumination. I'm the one that allows you to see what you can't see otherwise. I'm the life. I am the regeneration. I'm able to take this dead, rotten, sinful corpse and give it life again. Abundant life. The very life that exists at the right hand of the Father 
abides in me right now. You're looking at a man who will never die. You say, well, Gordon, one day somebody's going to read your name in a habituary. Don't believe it. That's a lie. Because I'm not going to die. And if you have placed your faith in Christ, you're not either. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. Death has no sting. It's been defeated. I, I know God. I know Christ. I have a home in heaven. I know the way. I know the truth. I know the life. I'm never going to get lost. Guys, never again will I be lost. You'll never be lost again. I once was lost, but I'm found. I know the way. I don't have to sit up at night and worry and wonder and fret. I'm on my way. On my way. I worked with a, some guys in a quartet. Man, they could sing and harmonize. And one of their songs, On My Way Home. I can't sing, but oh, it was good. Anyway, I'm on my way home. I'm going home. You are too. If you're born again this morning, you're on your way home. Let not your heart be troubled. You know, the world says, sweat, don't sweat the little stuff. It ain't little stuff if you're in the world. It's big stuff. But if you're in Christ, it is little stuff. It's the only way that it's little stuff. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I just abide in Him? Yep. What about all that other stuff they tell you? <laughs> this is my beloved Son. Hear ye Him. That's what God says. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He says, No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, There's a, there's a broad way. And there's a real narrow way. And those Christians, they're so narrow. They actually believe. <laughs> they're the only ones going. <laughs> Jesus says, no man comes to the Father but by me. Right. And I found the way. I found the way. I hope you have. No man comes to the Father but by me. There was a day in my life when I was separated, alienated from God, bound for a devil's hell, bound in sin, and I'm free. I'm free. I found the way. I'm no longer lost. I'm no longer wandering in the darkness, groping in the darkness, trying to find my way. No, no, I found the way. There was a day that I wondered, what's this world all about? What's life all about? What is it? How does it? I know the truth now. I have perfect peace in my mind. I know the truth. And there was a day that I longed and hoped one day some life would mean something. I have the life. I have that life. He says in verse 7, If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Now, guys, this was spoken a long time ago. The debate is over. Thomas's question has been answered. Guys, if you've known me, you know the Father. And from henceforth, you're looking at him. Not me, but him. You know Him, and you've seen Him. What is God like? Look to Jesus. He answers all of my questions. And when I look to Him, I see the scars. I see the cross. You know what I see? There's only one deduction I can come to. This God is a God of love. He loves me. He's prepared a place for me. He's placed me on His way. He's told me His truth. He's given me His life. 
No. My heart's not troubled. It is well with my soul. It is well. He says, from now on. You know, and Philip said, Lord, I tell you what. You show us the Father and we'll forget about it. (laughs) Show us the Father and it sufficeth us. That'll satisfy us. Just show show him to us. We want to see him. Jesus said unto him, and I believe he could ask me this question. Many believers this morning, have I been so long time with you? Have I been with you so long and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He saved me when I was 15, over 20 years ago. He could ask me, Gordon, have I not been with you so long that you don't know me? The word know here is used 140-something times in John's Gospel. In the Greek, there's four words for know. The first one is to know a fact, to know about something. The second one is a step above that. It's to understand the fact that is known. The third one takes a big leap and it deals with relationship. I know you. You know me. But then there's the fourth. This fourth one is the most beautiful of all. It means to have fellowship with, a deep, intimate communion with, to know. It's the one that Paul uses in Philippians chapter 3 when he says, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto him in his death. Paul the Apostle, having walked with the Lord so long, he says, I want to know you. I want to know you. He says, have you, have you been with me so long and you still don't know me? He says, Philip, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. He that has seen me has seen the Father. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that he is the exact representation of his person. You can't find a more perfect picture of who God is. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He is all that God is. He says, how sayest thou then... Show us the Father. We can't say that anymore. Father, I want to see you. You have. You have seen me. We've run out of time, but Moses, which was a greater man of God than I, more than I would ever hope to aspire to be. He says, I want to see you. I want you to show me your glory. That's what I want. If you would just show me your glory, that's, that's what I ask for. God says, Moses, no man has seen me and lived, but I tell you what I'll do. He said, there's a place by me. And there I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. And I'm going to pass by you and I'll cover you there with my hand and I'll let you see my hinder parts. I'll let you see my afterglow. You can see what's what's left. Paul says this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. James says this is like a mirror, it's like a glass. We, we look into the perfect law of liberty. He says, as we with open face, beholding in a glass, looking at the Lord. We're changed by the Spirit in the same image. But he goes down in the next verse, verse 6, and he says this, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
Moses saw God's backside. And how glorious that was. But I, I have looked into the face of Jesus Christ and beheld the glory of God. Troubled heart? No. Not at all. Not at all. He said, don't. Philip, don't say this anymore. Show us the Father. You've seen Him. You know Him. You know Him. I know Him. I know the Father. I know the God of the universe and the person of Jesus Christ. And I know Him. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. You believe in God out there. Believe also in me. Emmanuel, God with us, God in us. Are you troubled this morning? Let not your heart be troubled. When you look at the trouble and then you look at the Lord... He's greater than any trouble that I might have or might face. I pray this morning that by the Holy Spirit, you would really take the Lord's word to heart. Because it's easy to get troubled. There's plenty of things to get troubled about. But we don't have to be. We don't have to be troubled this morning. We have a choice. We can believe. Isaiah 53 asked a question. Whose report? Whose report? Who hath believed our report? Who? Who's going to do it? Are you? Will I? Or will I be troubled? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are who you are, the great I am. Father God, I pray for your people this morning. Lord, I know that you don't make light of any circumstance or situation that they find themselves in. It's very real. And many of them are very serious to that individual. And you don't, nor do I, make light of that. But I pray this morning, Lord, will you help your people this morning to make a decision? It's a choice that you give us. It's a privilege It's a command. Let not your heart be troubled. Lord, I pray for every one of your children this morning who has a troubled heart, concerned about a health issue or finances or if the job's going to go on or if they're going to lose the job, deciding on what direction to take in life or Whatever it might be, Father, you know our every situation. And as serious as those things are, Lord, you have given us a privilege, really, to believe you and to trust you. And I pray that faith would come alive in the hearts of your people. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word, and we have heard your word this morning. You say, let not your heart be troubled. 
Lord, would you do that supernaturally by your Holy Spirit this morning? You said, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You shall find rest for your souls. You said, casting all of your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Father, would you this morning, by your grace, by your spirit, enable your people, whoever may need this morning, to lay those burdens down. The psalmist said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Hope thou in God. Why art thou disquieted within me? I will yet praise him. Lord, I pray this morning that you would do a work in the lives of your people. I pray that those who are truly troubled this morning would leave here no longer troubled. Lord, we would ask that their circumstance would change. We ask that you would intervene and meet those needs. But if they don't, I pray that you would give grace sufficient, strength made perfect in weakness. And I pray that you would help them in the midst of the storm to trust you and to believe you and to know that when you say, let's go to the other side, we're going to the other side. You've prepared a place for us. You're coming back because we're going to be with you. And I thank you for that. And I ask you to minister to your people. Remind them this morning, they're going home. They know the way, the truth, and the life. They've seen the Father, and they know the Father through you. Lord, we are so thankful this morning. May we not neglect so great a salvation. May we not frustrate your grace. May we not grieve nor quench your Holy Spirit. But stand in faith, steadfast, immovable. Do a work within us, we pray. And Lord, thank you for preparing a place for us. Thank you, Lord, for a home in heaven. Thank you for eternal life. We don't thank you enough. We praise you this morning. And Father, if there's anyone here this morning who doesn't know you because they haven't placed their faith and trust in Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, I pray this morning would be that morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's anyone here, no one looking around, maybe you would say, I didn't know that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. I didn't know that he was the only way to the Father. Or maybe you did know, and you've never personally put your faith and your trust in him. Is there anyone here this morning who would say, Gordon, that's me. Today's my day. I'm surrendering my life. I'm placing my trust. Anyone here? Well, Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. And Lord, we rejoice in a home prepared for us. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking our troubles. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be troubled anymore. In Jesus' name, amen.